My name is Dr. Justin Alger, and this is the Future, Future College Parent Podcast. Parents and guardians, the more you can be involved, the better it's going to be for, for your child. Again, that, that community aspect is very important because you said we can't do it alone. Hello, future college parents, moms, dads, and any family member who's helping a student get to college. Welcome to the Future College Parent Podcast. This episode is dedicated to arming parents like you, our original influencers, with free information and resources to help the next generation of students prepare, choose, and finance college. And by college, I mean any and all education after high school or equivalent. And by parent, I mean anyone helping a young human get through schooling towards college. This show is predicated with the belief that anyone can access and pay for college if they want to and should start preparing as early as the sixth grade. I am your host, Dr. Justin Alger, but you can call me Justin. That voice you heard over the intro music is the guest of episode 10, Mr. Robert Beach, school counselor and student equity action committee co-sponsor at Lockport Township High School. Robert has a large number of students assigned to him in a massive school district. In this episode, Robert and I discuss how school counselors can help support students in three areas, social and emotional, academic, and college and career support. It's very obvious to me how passionate he is about helping students achieve success in these three areas, and I hope you enjoy my interview with Robert. Robert, welcome to the Future College Parent Podcast. Thank you for being here and helping future college parents, and thank you for being on the Future College Parent Podcast. Hey, thanks, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Justin, for having me. Appreciate it. Great. I'm excited that you're here. So if we can start out, can you please share your role and describe in what capacity you support parents and students on their post-secondary education journey? Sure thing. So I'm a school counselor at uh, Lockport Township High School in Illinois. We have close to 4,000 kids at our high school. I think we're up to about, close to about 3,800 to be exact. And I am a counselor for sophomores, juniors, and seniors. We have uh, two campuses. We have an all-freshman campus as well as a sophomore, junior, and senior campus. I'm at the bigger one, so I see a mixture of sophomores, juniors, and seniors on my caseload. Wow. So 4,000 students. And how many students are you responsible for? How many students are under your purview or leadership? Yeah, I think um, I'm probably around 330 or 340. I think each counselor is around that number. Um, So we have pretty big caseloads, to say the least. Wow. I mean, at, at 330, now, do you know every student or how often do you interact or do you, do you try to get to know all of the students or do you try to interact with them at least once uh, an academic year or how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. We, we try our best. We try our best to get to know, you know, every student on our caseload. Obviously, with the caseload of our size, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You know, we do a mixture of individual meetings with kids throughout the school year. Um, we have times where we can put uh, kids into groups and talk to them with for whatever topic we need to touch on. So between those couple of things that we try our best to get to know um, all of our kids. But in some cases, you know, we only see kids when it comes to registration. You know, if, if a lot of kids that are doing fine and really don't need any additional support, except for talking about classes and getting through high school. 
that happens, you know, but we also have a number of kids where we see on a regular basis, depending on their needs. So again, the number kind of varies between counselor to counselor, but to answer your question, we try our best to get to know all, all of our kids, but it's hard. It's hard with that large um, caseload. That's great. And can you share from your journey from high school to college, what informs the work you do now and, and the way that you advise students? The skills that I learned in high school definitely helped me out on the college level. You know, the, the, the writing, um, the study habits that I developed in high school, those carry on to, to college. So that was very beneficial for me. You know, in high school, some of the content that you learn in your classes, let's be honest, you're probably going to forget that stuff. You know, if you don't, then God bless you. But a lot of that stuff you may forget, and that's okay. But if you kind of hang on to some of those essential skills, you're going to need those in college. Like we said, the, the writing, the study habits, the critical thinking, working in groups, working with partners, you know, doing independent work, all those things that you did in high school that you may have kind of rolled your eyes at or, you know, that you really liked. The skills are really important, you know, so the skills for me really translated to college, which led me to be successful. And then, you know, a lot of those skills I still use today in my, in my everyday work. So, you know, the foundation really started in high school. We talked about three domains or areas in your work as a school counselor that your interactions with students generally follow. And I'd like to speak to each of those, starting with social emotional support. So what is social emotional support to a 10th to a 12th grader look like? To a 12th grader, so a senior, oh, they seniors obviously can go through a lot with this being their, their last year of high school. So, you know, we definitely see the anxiety. Uh, you know, we definitely see the, the depression that can occur. I would say those are probably the biggest two uh, areas that we deal with. Um, when it comes to social emotional well-being and you know it, it, it varies from topic to topic again seniors are a little stressed about again this being their last year of high school you know what they're going to be doing after high school whether it's college or uh, looking for a job you know we uh, those are that's probably the, the the biggest area that you know we deal with um coming out of the pandemic you know not just for seniors but all kids you know Definitely a, a stressful time, just kind of getting familiar back with a traditional school setting with coming from online learning it was not an easy transition for a lot of kids. So, you know, we definitely had conversations with students just to kind of help them get back in that traditional school setting, you know, giving them the kind of support that they needed. So with seniors, again, I would say just looking at what's going to happen after high school, you know, those are some a lot of questions that some seniors may have about, okay, what am I going to do? You know, how do I plan for college? You know, am I going to find a job? You know, what if I don't have the money to do this? Or what if this doesn't work out? You know, it could be a plethora of things, but we, we certainly try to ease those emotions and help our seniors transition the best that we can. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think it transitions well to our next area or your next area of academic support. And I know that you mentioned earlier you help students help support students in their in their classroom work and you mentioned just mentioned, you know, the navigating these increased ex expectations or these different expectations of in-person learning. Um and and so what type of 
what type of ways did you help or what type of ways do you help students um, from an academic support perspective? Sure thing. Well, when it comes to academics, you know, we do a number of things. Obviously, we're we're the ones helping students pick their classes for, you know, the the next academic school year. So there's always constant planning around that because we want students to pick classes that are going to help them in potential careers down the road. So, you know, that that's one thing that we do as far as academics. And that's a very big and important piece. So uh, when it comes to studying, we help kids, you know, develop study skills or organizational skills. We talk about time management. You know, those are plenty of topics that we talk about throughout the year. And we can do that individually with students. Sometimes we hold small groups to talk about those things. If there are a number of students that may struggle with, you know, organization or study skills or time management, you know, um, tutoring is another big thing that we do as well. You know, kids will reach out to us if they're struggling in the class. So we'll definitely offer, you know, our tutoring options that we have within the district to help them get back on track so they're earning the best grades that they can, you know. And then there's constant communication between students, teachers, counselors, and parents. You know, we got we to gotta work as a team. You know, I can't do it by myself as a counselor. Some kids can do it on their own as a student. Some students don't need that. They need that community. They need that team to be successful. And again, that's, that's us as counselors, that's parents, guardians at home, teachers. You know, we're all working together to make sure that the student is getting the needs, uh, their needs met to be successful. And, and that's great. So you mentioned that you're, you spend time helping students pick their classes and that help them with potential careers down the road. And I think we'll talk about that when we talk about college and career support. Um, but now when you're, when you're talking to students about study skills, organizational skills, time management and tutoring, are you providing the content for, for um, study skills, for example, are you teaching students how to study or are you facilitating workshops to teach students how to study? Yeah, so we, we will provide the content and we've done um, a number of things, you know, whether if it's a, an individual conference with a student that's really struggling, you know, we'll kind of break down the areas that they're struggling in and really talk with them one on one and give them strategies and uh, skills that they need to be successful. We can also do it in the classroom setting too. You know, if we identify a number of kids that may be struggling in a certain area, you know, we can talk to the whole group and kind of give them the skills that they need to, you know, to better themselves in that area. So it's a little bit of both, a little bit of everything, you know, individual meetings as well as small groups or, or larger groups, you know, whatever is needed at the time. Nice. And maybe can you give an example of a, of a student who is who you provided study skills or organization skills or time management and also a, in a, in a group or a classroom setting? Of course, you don't have to share any names. <laughs> young, young Robert came to me struggling with mathematics. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with young Robert since we would use that. Yeah. So little young Robert here who was just struggling in, uh, a number of classes and after gathering some teacher feedback you know I just started to see a, a common theme you know the student uh, hardly has his 
papers with him or, you know, his folder is just in complete disarray with papers that even don't belong with that particular class. So, you know, after gathering teacher feedback, meet with the students, say, hey, what's going on? Student shares, you know, I, I want I want to do well. You know, I'm trying my best, but I just can't. I'm just not organized. You know, I lose everything. You know, I, I put everything in one folder. Half the time, the papers are falling out. So I lose them. I, I just, in my homework, I can't turn it in because I lose it. You know, what what can I do? What can I do? So that's when, you know, we come up with some organizational skills here. So again, it varies from student to student. This particular student, we actually created um, one binder with a folder for each subject within that binder. And then just say, hey, on one side, you put homework that you have to turn in. The other side can be, you know, graded papers. And when you get those, you can look at it. And then eventually you can throw those away, you know. Something that simple, you know, really helped this kid do well academically. You know, he was able to organize his papers knew what he had to turn in, knew what he had to throw away when it was all said and done. You know, after several weeks, I don't want to say a few weeks, several weeks, you know, we're checking checking progress reports. You know, the kids' grades are jumping from Ds to Cs and Bs, you know, so we definitely saw an improvement there. Follow with him again and said, all right, you know, the grades are looking better. You tell me, you know, what, what's worked for you? And then he just held up his binder. He said, it's this right here. He said, you know, I'm able to organize my papers. You know, I know what I have to turn in. You know, I know what I don't have to turn in. You know, this has really helped me. So I'm not missing the beat. You know, I'm definitely going to be doing much better. You know, eventually I want to get to A's and B's. And I said, okay, you know, this is great. So it was very rewarding to know that something like that really helped that student in his particular, you know, semester to where he was performing well in his classes, you know. On a, on a group setting, again, something along those lines, it could be similar, you know, but we just are able to identify more kids that may go through the same thing. And that's when we can kind of hold a workshop or just almost like a classroom lesson, just kind of talking about organizational skills, you know, okay, what does it mean to be organized? You know, get some feedback from the students, you know, what does a organized folder look like, you know? just kind of going over examples like that. And again, kind of setting things up for kids. If we have to create binders for a large number of kids, we can do so. But in some cases, just kind of having those conversations and then following up with the students to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, it helps, it helps. So whether it's on a small scale or on a large scale, you know, it kind of depends on the setting. But, you know, once you get the feedback and see that things are moving in the positive direction, you know, then things are looking pretty good. What conversations or what types of conversations do you have with students' parents? Parents will reach out and many times like the student, you know, hey, my my son or my daughter is struggling in, in this class, you know. What kind of insight can you provide, you know, for me, you know, so whether it's helping the, the student directly or kind of giving some items to the parents to help them out as well, so... It goes, it goes a number of ways. We could, we could hold a meeting within the school, you know, with the parents, the child, and the teacher and kind of come up with some collaborative effort or plan to help the child moving forward, you know. In many cases, parents just want to know 
what are the options, you know, what are the tutoring options, you know, because you have sometimes where students may struggle in class and they're not getting the best grades that they can be getting, but they're not putting forth that effort to go to tutoring or, you know, something to kind of better their grade. Parents want to know that information, you know, hey, what's there? Because, you know, let's be honest, parents may ask their child, hey, you know, you're not doing well in this class. You know, is there tutoring or something available? And what does what the child say? Oh, no, there's nothing. You know, there's nothing after school. There's nothing before school. You know, I'll just figure it out. Well, you know, and then we get a call from mom or dad or guardian and saying, hey, you know, is this true that there's nothing after school? And it's like, well, not exactly. You know, we, we have after school tutoring. You know, there's tutoring during study halls. You know, after the, prior to the school year, we had a tutoring session in the morning, just talking about my school uh, specifically. So the point is that there's options out there. So, you know, as long as there's communication between uh, parents and counselors, you know, we can definitely provide that information to, to them so they know exactly what's going on. But that's great, though, that you get parents that reach out to you and ask you about the resources that you have available. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice when, you know, parents do that. And, you know, and I get it. Some parents are not able to do that with work schedules and, you know, a lot of things going on within the home. But, you know, parents and guardians, the more you can be involved, the better it's going to be for for your child. Again, that that community aspect is very important because you said we can't do it alone. You know, I can't do it alone. In many cases, the classroom teacher can't do it alone. We got to work as a team. So whether it's counselors, teachers, parents and the student, of course, you know, we're all working together you know, the chances of that child being successful is going to be pretty high. I like it sort of, it takes a village, it takes the whole community, as you said, it's, it's a, yep. it's a, it's a great, great way to look at it. Um, and let's move into our third area, college and career support. Now, when we talked in our pre-interview, you talked that college and career support sort of start with interest inventories and finding what the best fit is for, for a student at the, or what the best fit for a student is maybe for, for career opportunity or looking at what's next after high school? Yeah, you know, inventories are a good way to kind of start that process. You know, whether you're, if you're going to enter the workforce right after high school, that's, that's great. You know, that's awesome. As well as if you're going to college right after high school, um, you definitely have that right and that, that choice to do as you please. But a lot of students, you know, they may not be sure as to what direction they want to go in, you know, as far as if we start with college, you know, some students may not know what they want to major in. You know, they may not even know like what type of college they want to go to. So usually like uh, interest inventory or survey can kind of help just to get that process started. You know, obviously everything within that survey you know, you, you don't have to abide by, but again, it, it's a good way to get the conversation started and to get things in motion. So we have maybe a little sense of what you like and then what you don't like. Same thing with career. You know, if you take some kind of interest survey, you know, personality survey, wherever it is, you know, you might be able to get a good sense of what might be a good field for you, depending on your skills and your personality. So again, not anything written in stone, but it's a good way just to get the conversation started. And when do students traditionally take these inventories? Or is there is there a bunch of them? Is there are there different 
for different age groups or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, with the inventory, a student can take it at any time. You know, you can start in high school as a, as a freshman. You can take one every year. You know, you can take it a couple of times a year. But again, it's just a good way just to see, you know, okay, what are some of your interests? You know, what are some of your 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 passions? What are some of your skills? Also, you can look at, you know, what are some things that you don't like? You know, it is, they definitely give you a good sense of things that might work for you and things that you like. But then you also see the areas that you're not interested in. So you take all that information and put it together. You know, we can start working on the plan that's going to be best for you, you know, once high school is over. That makes a lot of sense. It's great. So if we have students who decide that they do want to go to a college, either a traditional, a traditional college or a trade school or, or something like that, um, what types of work do you do to help students decide, I mean, outside of the, uh, the interest inventories, but what type of work do you do to help students prospect for what it is that they want to do after high school? Yeah, so we, you know, a lot of, a lot of conversations with kids, whether it's individually, in groups, uh, talking to large groups here. You know, in this kind of example, if we're talking about college, you know, we, we talk to all age groups. I think that's important to note as well. You know, we, we don't just save things for seniors. You know, we, we kind of want to get the idea started with our freshmen, with our sophomores, definitely juniors. But then by senior year, you know, we want our kids to have a good sense of where they're going, you know, and um, if they know what they're studying, that would be great, too. So really emphasizing that, hey, this does not have to wait until senior year or it should not wait until senior year. You want to kind of start to get these ideas rolling now. You know, hey, I know you might be in your second semester as a freshman or your first semester as a sophomore, but it's not too early to really start thinking about, you know, what you want to do after high school, especially if you're planning on going going to college. That's great. So you talked about starting the college planning or the post the post high school planning early, but there's also opportunities for scholarships that you can begin to apply for earlier before you graduate as well, aren't there? Yeah, most definitely. You know, scholarships come about every year, obviously, and you know, yeah, some scholarships you know you can't apply to until you're you know a certain age, but it never hurts to inquire about them really just so you know how the process works. You know, I tell, since I work a lot with sophomores, you know, I tell them, hey, start looking at scholarships now just to see, you know, what's needed to complete the application process. You know, if they're looking at a certain GPA, for example, and, you know, you're not quite there yet, you know, keep that in mind as you're moving forward, you know, to better your grades, you know, something along those lines. And again, I, I tell them a lot, you know, hey, just just check out this website, look and see what has to be done so you're not blindsided when that moment comes and you're not overwhelmed with, you know, what you have to do. You kind of have a good sense of what's needed because you've already done done your research. And that's great. And so taking a look early to see some of the scholar, or scholarship opportunities and seeing what that criteria is. So then when it comes time to apply for the actual scholarship, when it's go time, you've, you've done your homework to 
meet the criteria before it's time to before it's time to apply. And I think that that's got to make the make the application much less stressful if you already know about what what's required before you apply. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Once once you know, okay, this is what the expectations are A, B, C, and D. Like you said, you've done your homework and research. You know, you just have more time to prepare for that. So again, it makes makes the process a little bit easier. And again, just knowing that, knowing the expectations ahead of time, definitely eases that that anxiety. Nice. And you mentioned these scholarship opportunities, but where do I? Where do I look to find scholarship opportunities? Are, are there any tools or how do I find scholarships? I, I have no clue how I would find one. Yeah, great. Or several. Great, great question. In fact, I get that question a lot, actually. <laughs> so, you know, it, if you are a parent or even a student, too, you know, the first place is to start with the high school, especially for parents. You know, parents are, you know, that are looking for financial aid really have no clue on where to start start with the high school start with your child's counselor it's like that foundation because the counselor in a sense can be a bridge between you know parents college of choices you know the scholarship opportunities websites that are out there we hold a lot of information we may not have all the answers but we're definitely going to do our best to point you in the direction to get the answers that you need so start start with the high school, start with the counselor, you know, bring your questions to that counselor and then, you know, you'll get pointing into the right direction where where you need to go. So that's one way, you know, um, websites, there's plenty out there, you know, and I don't want to sound generic or general, but, you know, there's certain websites, one's FastWeb, College Board, you know, Sally Mae, there's programs like Naviance that, um, students may have access to within their school settings. So getting familiar with that because they definitely post a lot of scholarship opportunities there. So again, that's kind of tied into that first point of checking with the high school because the high school may use some kind of platform very similar or if not one of the ones that I just named. And, you know, that'll be a great way to kind of jump into that, that scholarship avenue. That's great. And so now we've sort of talked about the two of the three areas that I like to cover in the show, college preparation and college finance. Now, what about the college choice process? What type of what type of advice or what type of questions do you field or give to students related to college choice, choosing an actual place to go after high school? Yeah, you know, that really comes down to, you know, personal preference and then you know, financial obligations are very much tied to that as well. So, you know, just generally speaking, uh, we'll start with the money piece. You know, that's probably the biggest piece. Let's be honest. You know, that that's going to be the driving factor for many kids when it comes to choosing a college. So, you know, depending on your financial situation, you may want to go to a junior college for your first two years. And then transfer to your university, you know, junior college obviously is going to be cheaper than a university off the bat. So if you're looking to save some funds that way, you know, it's certainly a great avenue. We have a lot of kids that do that. They go to our local junior college for a couple of years and then finish out at a university and then come out, you know, very successful. So that could be something um, to consider 
if you fit that criteria. You know, some of the other things is size. You know, we have um, a lot of students that have questions about size. You know, how big is this school? How big is that school? You know, I don't want to go to a school that's super big, but I don't want to go to the one that's super small. You know, I want something in the middle. And it's like, okay, well, what, what exactly does that mean? So, you know, we, but we definitely <laughs> help students kind of figure that out, you know. So um, the inventories, we go back to that a little bit where it comes to choosing college, those help because you can kind of plug in your answers to these questions. You know, hey, I want to spend this this much money. I want to go to a school with this amount of people. The school has it has this major. You know, I want to live in a urban area. Um, I want it to be diverse. You know, what's the reputation? You know, what are their safety protocols at that school? So inventories can help with that sort of thing to kind of narrow down the search for kids. You know, we tell kids, obviously, utilize the inventories, ask your counselor, you know, reach out, ask questions. We try our best to kind of reach out to some of our alum who have been to some of the schools that a lot of our our schools, uh, students within the community will go. We try to get them to come back and talk with students about their experience at at their school. You know, I, I think that's just that that peer conversation goes a long way, you know, especially if you have a peer who went to the same high school as you and now they're, they're at the same college that you're thinking about going to. Them sharing their experience, that that goes a long way. So we try our best to set that up, you know, as as much as we can. Well, that's great. And you you bring alumni back and speak to the that experience they sort of have the they have way more credibility than you have because they've they've had that experience and they're and they're closer in age so i think that makes a lot of sense now what about do you refer students to trade schools or any technical schools yeah definitely you know it just depends on what what uh, the student is looking for you know we have um students who are looking to go into the union uh, right after high school. So we definitely can set them up with representatives in whatever field they want to go into. So, yeah, we have a number of, of avenues uh, for students that they can choose, you know, just kind of depending on on their path. You know, we have uh, what's nice is we utilize our college and career center at our high school and we have a, a coordinator who can meet with students on a regular basis just to talk about, you know, the kind of questions that you're probing here. Hey, I want to I want to go to a trade school. You know, what are my options? OK, let's sit down. Let's talk about it. Or, you know, hey, I'm interested in going into the University of Iowa. You know, what what does it take to get into that school? Let's sit down and talk about it. So, again, just providing those resources really, really helpful. And that's great. And so I think that I will end on that note. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and providing your perspective. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It means a lot to me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it as well. Thank you. Robert is really humble about the work that he does. And I appreciate his down-to-earth approach of how he meets his students at the level they come to him at. He then provides strategies for them to help themselves to be successful. And there is so much Robert and I discussed in this episode, and I want to share with you five things I learned from my talk with Robert. Number one, there are so many important life skills where the foundation is built starting in high school. 
These skills include writing, study habits, critical thinking, working in individual and group settings. Do not overlook these skills. Number two, counselors can provide strategies and content for your student on how to study or gain skills to be successful. Remember the example of young Robert organizing his learning materials to become more academically successful. Number three, interest surveys and inventories can be beneficial to narrow down interest, passions, and skills. They can also help identify areas your student may not be interested in to get a better viewpoint of their plan beyond high school. Number four, it never hurts to inquire early and do the research to earn scholarships. Knowing how the application process and criteria necessary to work towards will make it easier and less stressful when that moment comes to apply. Start with your high school counselors to provide scholarship opportunity ideas. They are a wealth of information and can refer you to resources mentioned in this episode. Number five, to help choose plans after high school, start with the money. Set your budget to inform your college choice. Your student may want to attend a community college to start to save money. Other areas to consider when making post-high school plans may include preference of school size, major, geographic setting, diversity, reputation, and safety and security. You can also seek out alumni of the school to share their experience. Peer conversations can go a long way. What did you learn? Here's your homework. No, there is not extra credit on this assignment. Please head to futurecollegeparent.com where you can access the Future College Parent Network and post what you learned by listening to this episode and engage with other listeners so we can learn together. Also at futurecollegeparent.com, you can access the show notes for a wealth of information on the items we discussed during the episode and check out all of our social platforms. While you're at it, please share the podcast widely with other parents, leaders of activities your student is involved in, and your school administrators so they can share with your school district. You can also let parents know the show is streaming directly from the website and there's no need to download anything. Just point your browser to futurecollegeparent.com and enjoy. The show is also available on your favorite podcast platforms as well. I want to thank Robert for coming on the show. Be on the lookout for a new episode on Wednesday, June 29th and continuing Wednesdays every two weeks after. Thanks for listening to the Future College Parent Podcast.